like to ask you to take your Bibles this morning and open to Luke chapter 8. Our text today is verse 4 to 15 of Luke chapter 8. I'd like to uh, read that together as we hear God's word to read uh, from verse number 4 down to verse number 15. Let us hear the word of our Lord and Savior this morning. Beginning in verse number four, and when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others... They are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. The ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in a time of testing, fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that, in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast, And in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. We join me in prayer. Father, we ask now, as we come to your word, indeed, Father, we do ask that you would give us ears to hear your word this morning. Father, what a grace it is for us to be able to be gathered together as your people here, to be able to sing of your glorious deeds and of your character. Father, we thank you for this day that you have made. Thank you that we can come together as your people, knowing, Father, that where your people are gathered, there is your church. So, Father, we pray that you would help us understand your word. And, Father, we pray that you would do what only you can do through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Help us trust in you. Help us to grow, help us to be encouraged and convicted from your word. Even as it is read this day, would you give it growth? In the name of Christ, our Savior, we ask it. Amen. Well, today we come to a very familiar and a very foundational text of scripture. It's the parable of the sower. Maybe we could call it the parable of the soils. It's one of the best known parables of the Gospels. It's one of the few parables that 
um, makes it into Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And this parable is so foundational because in it, Jesus teaches us about the various responses that people have to God's word. This parable, we could say this parable gives us categories. It gives us an understanding of what we see taking place in front of us in people's lives, namely how people respond to hearing the word of God, to hearing the gospel, hearing the message of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. The events that we will see in this parable give a, really give a broad stroke of someone's life. They describe someone's life as a whole, kind of as you stand back and, and look at it and describe from kind of birth until death or just a broad view of their life, the big picture, if you will. These different soils are going to show us the different reactions that people have over the course of their lives to hearing the gospel, to hearing God's word. And this parable really is a call for us to hear. It's a call for you and a call for me to really take care how we hear the word of God and how we hear the message of the scripture. It's a call for us to be careful in how we listen And that listening, whether it's through a uh, sermon like this on Sunday or whether that's through the reading of the word throughout the week, however you come in contact with the word, for us to really be careful how we listen, how we hear it. We see a repetition of this concept of hearing over this parable. Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. The ones along the path are those who have heard. The ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word of God. The thorns are those who hear. The good soil, those who hearing the word. And even in verse 18, part of next week's passage, Jesus says, take care then how you hear. Jesus is calling to us today to be careful how we hear the Bible. So this parable gives us categories to understand various responses that we see in people. And primarily, it's a call for us to hear wisely, to be the person that hears God's word, receives God's word, holds on to it, and seeks to live in obedience to it. As we walk through the text this morning, we're going to see three main movements. It's kind of easy to see as you look at the passage, the uh, parable is just going to be given here in verses uh, four to verse number eight. Then verses nine and 10, Jesus is gonna give the reason for why he's going to be speaking in parables. And then verse 11 to 15, he's going to explain this parable to us. So uh, let's first of all, look at the parable given, the parable given in verse four to eight. Verse four gives us the context of this parable. Great crowds, uh, as we've seen before, they're again coming to hear Jesus speak. The text says, people from town after town came to him. Matthew and Luke tell us that Jesus got into a boat to speak to so many people that were on the shore. Jesus was still very popular with the people. He was healing. Many people were coming to him in droves to hear him speak. And as all these people were there, this time Jesus was speaking to them in parables, the text tells us. Uh, it says, he said a parable to them. And before jumping in, just to ask a question, what, what is a parable? 
what is a parable? Our word for parable comes straight from the Greek word that sounds the same, which is a compound word of para, meaning alongside of, and balo, which means to throw, lay, or to place. So a parable has to do with placing or laying something alongside of something else for the purpose of comparison. It's a spiritual truth, we could say, that's laid beside a physical example so that it could be understood. Or I was going to see in part of the text, so it could not be understood. Uh, so it's sort of like an allegory, we could say, a physical type of story with spiritual teaching. And in verse 5 to 8, Jesus tells the crowds this parable. Now, we, we've already read this. My guess is most of you here today have read this parable before. You know the imagery. You know uh, what correlates with each type of soil. So it's hard for us to hear this kind of for the first time and to think, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know what, what, this, what this parable is getting at. So it's hard for us to be kind of that original hearer that Jesus is speaking to, but um, clearly this parable would be spoken, and without any explanation, uh, it would be very difficult, I would say near impossible, for us to understand it correctly without Jesus giving the sense and the meaning of what he was saying. And so he gives this parable to them. I imagine there might even have been somebody out sowing off in the distance, right? They're outside. He's by the water. There'd be a large crowd just like this. Maybe off in the distance, there was literally somebody out there sowing seed in the field. Fields in this region of the country had paths running through them, so a little different uh, than our, our fields, but you know that you can walk around a field, maybe through it. There's paths there, and when the farmer sowed his seed, he cast it all over the area. Folks that study about these sorts of things in the ancient Near East, probably a strap coming around, a sack uh, somewhere on his belly. He's, he's, he's grabbing in and he's taking his seed, whatever it is that uh, the seed is, and he's, he's sowing it into the field, literally throwing it and casting it. And so we're told of four types of soil uh, and the result for each seed in the different soils. We see the seed that fell on the path, the hard Soil. The bird quickly came, the seed that fell on the rocky ground. And just rocky, I kind of think of, of rocky ground. I think of rocks mixed with dirt, and you have to throw out the rocks. It's most likely in this area there's a foundational bedrock, and there's uh, dirt on top of that. You could not see the rock. And so you couldn't tell that this was shallow unless you actually went digging into it. So a thin layer of dirt, that would be their rocky type of ground. It sprang up quickly, yet died quickly too. Some fell on the thorns and it began to sprout. And of course, so do the things that you don't want to grow. They grow very quickly. Weeds grabbed onto the seed, choked it, and it produced no fruit. Fourth seed, as we see, fell on the good soil. It grew up and yielded 100 fold. And so Jesus spoke this parable and then he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. What did Jesus mean by, by that statement? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. You see a, a deeper dimension than just audibly uh, things reverberating inside your ear. He's saying if you can understand it, then understand it. And that's all Jesus said at this particular time. Um, now, again, it's, it's probably the case. There are other parables most likely at this time spoken, but here Luke records that for us. Jesus spoke that and said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear hear. So we 
come that first point of the parable given that Jesus gives it. That's why the disciples later needed to ask what this parable meant, right? And is it Jesus? What are you talking about? We know you're teaching us. We know you're, there's, there's something you want us to know from here. So what, what are you talking about? Which brings us to verse 9 and 10, the reasons stated. Text doesn't tell us exactly when, but later the disciples asked Jesus what this meant, how they were to understand it. And before giving them the explanation, Jesus teaches them something. And he's teaching us here today something about how truly blessed we are to hear the word of God. So before jumping into the answer of what this parable means, two reasons Jesus gives as to why he spoke in parables. So the reason stated in verse 9 to 10. First, Jesus spoke in parables to reveal the truth. Jesus spoke in parables to reveal the truth. In verse number 10, Jesus is calling the disciples' attention to something they really needed to understand, and that is this. They had been given the secrets to the kingdom of God. Some of your translations there might have mysteries, mysteries of the kingdom of God. So the secrets or the mysteries of the kingdom of God refer to things that have been previously hidden and unknown that are now made known in this time period. These mysteries of the kingdom of heaven are referring to the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he is the Messiah, the savior of the world. And so when we see this concept of secret or mysteries in the New Testament, it doesn't mean something you keep from someone, right? That's how we think of secrets uh, or, or a mystery. Um, it's, it's something that you, you don't tell everyone, maybe like a secret society or something like that. You have to be on the end to know what's really going on. It means here something that was hidden before but is now made clear for all to see. It has to do with the rule and reign of Jesus, that Jesus is the king, that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the Savior, that he is the fulfillment of the promises of God. And you notice what he says there in verse number 10, to you it has been given. It has been given to know these things. You see, the tense of that verb is also very important because the disciples didn't give this understanding to themselves. That's what Jesus is saying. God is the one who enabled them to understand and to know. And what Jesus is pointing at here is he's just reminding them, look, this is all of grace. It's all of grace. God gave them and God gives us the ability to know and to see and to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and how truly amazing it is that God has shown us grace in Jesus Christ and that our ears have heard it and that God has given us the ability to understand truly who Jesus is. Brothers and sisters, how thankful we should be that God has given us this ability to see and to know his unfolding plan of redemption, to know reality, to know what is going on in the world, to know what is going on with us, to know what is going on with our sin, and for us to know redemption. How truly amazing the grace of God that he has given this to us to know. It's not because of ourselves. It's because of God through his grace, giving us 
ears to hear. Lord, help us never, never, never take for granted the truth that you have shown us, Jesus Christ, and we have seen and we have believed. We always need to remember that's not because we were smart. It's because God was gracious. So Jesus spoke in parables to reveal the truth, as he says there, to you it's been given. But he spoke in parables, oddly enough, as we think of it, to conceal the truth. You saw the contrast in the second part of verse number 10. But for others, they are in parables. And then it strikes us as odd that Jesus says, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. So it seems like here Jesus is teaching us, he spoke in parables so the disciples could remember and understand, but for some he spoke in parables without an explanation so that they wouldn't understand. The question is, why would Jesus do that? Well, it, it wasn't that Jesus turned people away from him that wanted to trust and believe in him, that people are coming to him wanting to believe in him, and he says, no, I'm going to speak to you in parables so you don't understand. Many in the crowd had already made up their minds not to believe in Jesus. And I just call our attention, too, that there's a very occasional nature to what Jesus is saying here. Occasional to this day, to this time period in Jesus' ministry. Because we don't go around today, and the disciples after this don't go around uh, sharing parables of what Jesus said without explanation, right? When you share the gospel with somebody else, you, you don't... Uh, do that cryptically without explaining things to them. And the explanation is here recorded for us, right here in the text. So no, we try our best to reveal the mysteries of what Jesus has done. That's one of our main tasks. We could put it like this. Jesus was revealing his teachings to believers and concealing his teachings to unbelievers. It's just like the situation that Jesus quotes from in Isaiah 6, 9 to 10. We're probably most familiar with uh, the first eight verses of Isaiah. This is where Isaiah goes and stands before the Lord and realizes his sin and God asks and goes through that account and he says, here am I, Lord, send me, send me to this people. We often stop right there at verse number eight, but verses nine and 10 go on to say, here's what you're going to do in the ministry I'm calling you to, Isaiah. You're, you're, you're going to go speak to this people and they're not going to listen to a word you say. They're not going to respond. That's always the most encouraging uh, thing that a, a pastor can hear, somebody to call to speak God's word. You're going to speak it and they're, not going to, they're going to reject you and reject your message and reject me. What you say will only further harden them. They will reject me even more when they hear you telling my message to them. So then God will send judgment upon Israel because they have rejected his teaching. And it's almost like he's saying something like that here. He said, that's what it's like here. These people have rejected me. They're hearing this message. And judgment is coming upon them because of it. So Jesus gives a reason there for speaking in parables. And then he comes to explain it in verse 11 to 15. He gives the explanation, the interpretation we might say. He begins here by saying what the seed represents. It's the word of God. We could say the, the word of God. We could, even today, we would apply that as the Bible, the gospel message of what Jesus Christ has come to do. Jesus, I believe here, is, is the sower that he's speaking of, of his ministry of going and sowing the seed and what that is like. And when the word of the gospel, the word of God is shared and proclaimed, four different responses are given. Four different responses are given. And the same 
parable has been even repetitiously seen and explained throughout history. As people share the gospel message, as we share the gospel message as followers of Christ, as disciples of him, as we sow the seed of the word of God. Four different ways God's word is heard. First, we could say the unresponsive hearer in verse number 12. The unresponsive hearer. This is the person that heard the gospel message, but for whatever reason does not believe. The devil is likened to a bird of the air that swoops down and takes the gospel message away. The picture here is not uh, this person would be saved and wants to be saved, but can't because the devil came and got the seed and took it away. No, why was the bird able to get the seed in the first place? Because it was easily sitting right there on top. The heart was hard. The path was hard and the seed just sat there. It was an easy target for the devil to come. The gospel message didn't even penetrate. Just like a beaten down hard path, the gospel message is rejected from entering in. The heart is heart because of sin. False philosophies of this world are believed in and the gospel's simply rejected. It's easy for Satan to come and take it away. Oh, don't we see how Satan uses pride, fear, false teachers, many other things and philosophies to snatch away the gospel message as it is sown? Again, it's an easy meal because it's laying on the surface. We see this happen, don't we? Of course, this doesn't mean we don't share the gospel with people over and over again, right? That's not what Jesus is teaching. He's not teaching, oh, well, this is a hard heart because I shared the gospel with them and they rejected it. No, that's not the point that Jesus is making here. Rather, Jesus is showing us why some reject the gospel message. Their hearts are hard. Our task is to sow the gospel continually, praying for God to give it growth, even as Stephen prayed earlier, for God to grow that seed as it is planted. I just ask a question today, by God's grace, can you see that today? If you're not yet trusting the promise of Jesus to save you from your sins, can you see that today? By God's grace, realize that you need Jesus. Confess the hardness of your heart to him. If you have rejected him in the gospel in the past, Will you receive him now? The call for you is to hear. It's for all of us to take care of how we hear. Maybe you've heard the gospel message over and over and you can repeat it. You've heard it, but you've not heard it. Whether you're here today or online, the call out to you is to receive this gospel message and trust and believe in Jesus Christ that he died for you, that he took your sins that he died in your place and that your sins can be forgiven because of what Jesus Christ has done. The call is for you to, maybe that seed is, you've heard it and it's hit you before and just bounced off. The call today is receive it. Receive the gospel message. Believe in Jesus Christ. May we ever be faithful as followers of Christ to be faithful to spread the seed, to sow the gospel. Realizing, yes, some people it hits hardly, but by God's grace, let us pray that it will one day be receptive. Next, Jesus describes here what we could call the temporary hearer in verse number 13. 
says there in verse 13, and the ones on the rocks are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while. In a time of testing, they fall away. Hear the seed, and we see this progression throughout the parable, don't we? Hear the seed is received, and it grows. The word of God is received with joy. We get the picture here of the person receiving the gospel message with full emotions, and it looks wonderful. And just pause, and we need to understand for just a moment that there's nothing wrong with showing emotions, all right? Jesus is not here uh, condemning, oh, you better receive the gospel with a, with a sad face because this, this is a joyful face and it doesn't work out. No, that's not what's being said. Did not the sinful woman in the previous chapter, chapter 7, show emotion in wiping Jesus' feet with her tears? Did not Jesus himself weep? When he remembered and he was there at Lazarus's tomb, we could go through many other examples in scripture of people literally weeping. What seems to be the problem with this soil is that their emotions are superficial. They're not based upon deep-seated convictions. As the text says, they had no root. There was no moisture. The level of soil was very, very thin. There was a layer, again, of of probably rock underneath the soil, and nutrients just did not stay. And when a time of testing came, they fell away. They quit believing. We could say they quit believing. They walked away from Christ. They walked away from the church. The change was only temporary. As long as things are going well, the person will believe in the gospel is what it seems like here. But a little trouble comes because of this newfound faith And the person walks away. When the demands of discipleship come, and they do come, don't they, brothers and sisters? The hard work of standing up for the faith, of seeking to put to death the things of the flesh, of doing the hard work of sanctification, they simply quit. This is sad to watch. It's heartbreaking to see. Again, this does not mean that we're not to go after those who have strayed from the faith. That's not what Jesus is teaching on here. Jesus is here speaking about the reality of what happens in people's lives who are shallow, temporary hearers. Let us be warned at this type of receiving and hearing the gospel message. As we're going to see in the final soil, we must persevere. We must hold fast. We must continue in the same direction and produce fruit in our life. Jesus next, the third is the kernel here in verse 14. Look down, I'm in the wrong chapter. Verse 14, and as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. Like the last soil, this looked good at first, but when the good seed started to grow, so did the weeds and the thorns. Thorns grew grew up together faster, I would imagine. I get the picture in my mind of weeds. You've seen the ones that grow around other things and they just kind of grow all around it and they're kind of tightly with them and it it just chokes the life. Seems like things that you don't want to grow always grow faster than the things that you do want to grow. Seems like that's true in your yard and likewise true in your heart. The text says that Three things choke the word. I think these are three very important things for us to consider. The cares, it says there, the cares 
of life. And of life modifies all, all three of these words of cares, riches, and pleasures. So the cares of life choke, choke the gospel message, choke the Bible, choke the things of God. There are many cares of life that we face. And most of these cares, we could say cares of life, are not bad in and of themselves. Paul spoke about the worries or the cares, same word, of all the churches that were on him in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty eight. 28. But the cares of life turn bad when they start squeezing the things of God out of our lives. When we divert our attention off of God and solely onto these cares. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens slowly. Even just thinking about church attendance, we can think about that. Missing here, missing one day here, another day there. Things begin to happen. Things are put in place instead of a faithfulness to coming, to be obedient to God's instruction, to join together, meet together with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Begins to fade before you know it. Six months, oh, I need to go. Then you're not there. Bible hasn't been opened. It's we see this happening in people's lives and what can happen is the cares of this life just come and they start to squeeze on the things that God has called us to. Second thing mentions here that chokes the word is the riches of life. Riches can be a blessing, right? But listen, have you considered riches can be a curse? Riches can actually be a curse of God. To put it another way, riches can be a judgment from God. Riches of life can choke in two types of ways, I think, riches as we see them in our lives. First is this desire or pursuit of riches, right? So it's that desire for riches that can choke the word. You begin to focus on having more, having more. How much more? Well, just a little bit more. And the things of God are choked. Again, the things that God calls you to are choked by these things because of your pursuit for them. You're all encompassed with whatever it means for you to have what makes you happy in life. And so you're going after that. And don't riches entice us in that way. Second is the dulling effect that money can have upon us. Those who oftentimes have money, don't feel much need in their lives. They can take care of themselves because they have means. They have money. They have riches. They, they, they're not in need. They're not having to ask for help from somebody else. In fact, it can give this pride of I would never ask for help from somebody else. I'll help somebody else. I'll never let somebody else help me. And this pride of possessions and money can dull our senses. It gives a false sense of superiority, a pridefulness, and that attitude of I don't need any help from others can dull your sense of your need for God. Money chokes out the word. Just as you think you don't have need before other people, you extrapolate that upon God and think, huh, I'm doing okay, and money sort of dulls the sense of your need and sinfulness and that we all come to God as beggars seeking grace. Brothers and sisters, let us beware of money. Let us beware of the pursuit of money in our lives. Let us beware of 
even what can look like a blessing, even causing someone to turn away from God? How much better would it be to be poor as dirt and to enter the kingdom of heaven than to be rich as whoever and have anything we wanted in this life? Third, the pleasures of life choke the word. So just like money, pleasures can be good or they can be bad, right? And the pleasures of life, we are thankful for the pleasures of life. I thank God for the pleasures of life just this week. I thanked God for amazing pesto my wife made this week. It tasted amazing. I often thank God for food. And there are hundreds of thousands of pleasures that we have in our lives, just all over the place, all types of pleasures, but they must be kept in their place. They must not squeeze us and they must not begin to overtake our pursuit of God and of sanctification. I just ask you today, what are things that tempt you? What, what are things, pleasures that you have in your life that you need to keep at bay and kind of uh, cut the grass, if you will, of those pleasures to keep them in their place so that they don't grow and begin to choke your life. The seed and the thorn seemed to have the longest process, but it was a process of death. It did not persevere. It grew, it looked good, but it didn't produce fruit, which leads us to the last thing we see is the fruitful here. We get to the good soil in verse number 15. And for that in the good soul, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. What makes the good soil different? It's the same seed that was thrown on all the other soils. It's dirt just like other dirt. What makes the soil different is that it's been rightly prepared. His heart is prepared by the Holy Spirit. It's receptive to this See, the responsive, fruitful hearer hears the word of God and holds on to it. They hold it fast, as it says. They keep, keep it. They cling to it. They retain it. They hold it fast, as the text says, with an honest and good heart. That is, they're different than these other soils. There's not a duplicity in their lives. And seeking to hold on to the word and cares and riches and pleasures of life they hold on faithfully the text says they bear fruit it's the only soil that does isn't it the only soil that bear fruits this is the picture of the true believer the true believer is the one who perseveres in the faith the one who endures the one who bears fruit in their lives and again i would just notice here that this is not an overnight sort of growth crops don't happen that way do they be great if they did. It'd be great if you could plant a tomato plant outside today and tomorrow you'd be making salsa. That would be a wonderful thing, but it doesn't happen like that with tomatoes and it doesn't happen like that with fruit in our lives. It's a long game. It's a persevering game. And I would just say with that too, we need to be patient with one another knowing this to realize that we're all a work of progress and God is working on, on all of us and that growth that takes place is a continual growth, but many times it's up and it's down. We see that in our own lives. We need to give grace in other people's lives as they likewise are seeking to grow in obedience to God. What does fruit look like? Well, that's a 
New Testament spells that out, doesn't it? Jesus teaches a lot on this in particular. Uh, we can say from Paul, it looks like the fruit of the Spirit, keeping this same analogy in our lives, for these things to be produced for love, for joy, for peace, for patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, all of those things in our life to be growing, for those things to be there, for there to be a fruit of that in our lives. And even as, as Stephen mentioned again in the prayer for us to realize, praise God when we see those things, it's God's work in our lives. It's God's work in our midst when we see this fruit in our lives and other people's lives. It should cause us to rejoice. It should cause us to praise God for what he has done. We produce fruit because the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is the same Holy Spirit that lives in us. Brothers and sisters, that Holy Spirit is living and active. You can bank on it. You can guarantee it. It will change you. He will change you. The Holy Spirit will change you. There's a progression in this parable. From hearing and rejecting to hearing but quickly withering to hearing but slowly being choked. And here there is an enduring, a holding on to. At the end of verse number 15, the ESV has bear fruit with patience. Patience, that's not the same word as the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians, patience. Patience here in the sense of continually trusting and hoping in the promises of God. To be patient, meaning you're continuing to be faithful, of continually trusting. Perseverance is, is, is a better translation here. Think of perseverance. What gets at the meaning here, as Hebrews 10.36 states, you have need of endurance. You have need of perseverance. As Christians, we will face many trials in life. We are not guaranteed a garden in our lives with no weeds to seek to come and to choke out the word of God. What we are called to do is faithfully persevere in holding on to the seed. Hold it fast. Bear fruit with endurance. So brothers and sisters, I leave you this morning with this parable and this call for you to continue to be faithful to hold on to the gospel message. I don't know in particular the things that you are facing in your life. Maybe those cares that are coming at you seeking to choke out the things of God. The trials, the temptations of these others that just reject and walk away from the faith. The call for us is to continue persevering. How encouraging it is to see brothers and sisters in Christ going through difficult circumstances and remaining faithful to persevere and trust God. Let each of us here today bear fruit with perseverance. Listen, the Christian life is an endurance race. We must persevere in the faith. Let each of us here today hold on to God's word, hear it, Receive it, trust it, study it, be shaped by it, search it, place ourselves underneath it. Let us realize afresh how truly amazing it is that we 
can hear and know and understand the mysteries of the kingdom of God. It's all by his grace. Let us hear, let us persevere in the faith, bearing much fruit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can know your word, and we thank you, Father, that we can know what it means to have our sins forgiven. Father, I pray here this morning or through those watching online, Lord, if there is a heart that is not trusting in you, that has not received the word, Father, would you help them see their need to trust in Christ, to hear what you have done for them, to believe in what you have done, and the call to faithful, persevering obedience. Father, help us believers who are hearing your word today truly hear it. Help us to persevere. Help us to hold on to you, knowing that you hold on to us. We thank you for the gospel. Help us ever be impacted by it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.